Welcome to the Mastery Over Money podcast. My name is Michael Kim, and I'm a wealth coach, future CPA, and creative at heart. My mission is to help young professionals such as yourself have mastery over your money and start living a life of financial freedom. Not only will I teach you how to save, invest, make, and maximize your money, but I'll also transform the way that you think about it. At the end of the day, money management is a skill. And when you have mastery over it, you can create anything. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mastery Money. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mastery Over Money podcast. So lately, I've been talking to a lot of you guys, a lot of my friends, as well as a lot of my students and followers. You guys want to purchase a house or a property eventually. But the thing is, this is getting increasingly more difficult, especially in Canada, due to the increasing housing prices. So that's the reason why in this episode, I wanted to invite a special guest who is an expert in this area. I invite my friend Anna Tran, who is a real estate broker. And she works specifically with first-time home buyers, as well as people who want to get into real estate investing. So in this episode, we talk all about. So in this episode, we talk all about how you can purchase your first property, as well as how you can start to use real estate investing to build an, an insane amount of wealth. So if you want to learn more about real estate. Make sure to keep on listening. Okay, hello, Anna. Welcome to the Mastery Over Money podcast. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Anna Tran. I'm a realtor or a real estate broker from Ottawa. I've been licensed for six years now, and I'm super, super excited to be on this podcast and talk all about finance and money and investing. I know we kind of uh, saw each other on social media and wanted to like reach out to each other. So this is perfect. And I'm super excited to be doing this and talk about like investment strategies and buying your first home. Yes. One of the joys of social media is just making social media friends and friends online that you otherwise wouldn't have usually met. So yeah, I'm yeah, so glad absolutely. that to have you here. Thank you so much. So Anna, tell us about your story of how you got into real estate. So you're a real estate broker now, but how did you get here? Yeah, absolutely. So I started really young. It's actually not quite the traditional route. So I grew up in a actually very traditional immigrant Vietnamese household. My parents immigrated here after the Vietnam War, wanted us to get straight A's, like go be a doctor or a lawyer. So I tried really hard in school. My older brother was a natural, like, honor roll, full scholarship to university, has a CPA, all the works. So I had to measure up to this guy. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go to Queens. I'm going to get a commerce degree. Um, but I always was more of a hustler than like a schoolgirl kind of idea. Um, so I worked like three jobs in high school. One of the jobs I worked at was waitressing a breakfast joint, a local breakfast restaurant. Um, and when I was waitressing one day, this guy had a real estate folder and I was like, oh, you're into real estate. He's like, yeah, are you? I said, yeah, I am. I mean, I was 16. I had no idea like <laughs> anything about real estate. Right. So he's like, oh my God. And we started chatting and he offered me a job and I thought it was a joke. But two weeks later I went into work 
And the owner was like, oh yeah, I gave your email to the guy that asked for it. And like in hindsight, now looking back, oh my God, that's so weird giving a 16 year old email out, but whatever. So I ended up interning for a team down the road from him. And then they hired me after. And I was doing like random admin work. I was doing marketing for them, just random things like organizing their files, running errands for them. And then it came to my senior year in high school. Now your first semester of your senior year, you have to pick, uh, you have to pick which universities you want to apply to. Mm -hmm. And I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm going to try getting my real estate license. I'm going to try it for a year, maybe two years. If it doesn't work out, university will always be there. So, so terrified. And I was more so terrified of telling my immigrant parents how I'm not <laughs> going to go to university. But anyways, I told them and they're like, you know what, we, we believe in you. And that was all I needed. They're like, you know what, you weren't going to make it through university anyways. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but then I just started in real estate and I worked for a team and I learned the ropes and here we are six years later. That is amazing. That story is so inspiring because I think a lot of people, we kind of just go with the flow and what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. I would say like in, in my high school, at least I would say like 90% of the people w- went to a traditional university and f- spent like hundreds and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. on their university degree. Yeah. Well, that's why I figured instead of spending that much on a university degree, I'll just use that money and down pay my first house and make mm-hmm. that investment in me instead. Yeah. How were you able to be so confident? To, to, to make that decision and make that leap? Were you, were you scared or what really convinced you to make that leap for yourself? You know what they say, ignorance is bliss. I was so naive at the time that I just thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll try it. What's the worst that can happen? And it was a lot of hardships, but I didn't overthink it. I'm, I'm a yes person. So when an opportunity comes to me I just say yes and see how it goes like really what's the worst thing that could happen and on the team I was working for they said Anna if you bring us any leads that we close we're going to give you a whole 450 dollars so I brought a buyer who sold and then bought a house so I got like 900 dollars and I thought I was friggin rich (laughs) because I was 17 and I brought them a lead and they gave me like 900 dollars for it and then the guy was laughing afterwards and said, you know how much you would have made on this if you were an agent? So he broke it down to me and I was sold. I'm like, yeah, screw university. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real estate, the earning potential is unreal. Mm-hmm. Any high sales job, right? Anything mm-hmm. that includes major risk is going to have major reward. And I know you're talking about on your stories today about Like what's stopping you from chasing your dreams? And a lot of it is that fear you talked about. And that really resonated with me. And I just didn't have that. I was so young. I was naive. Like I didn't have much to lose. So Mm -hmm. that made me really go for it. So Anna, you already have six years of experience in real estate and being a real estate broker. Tell us about how your career progression went, went through over these past six years? Yeah. So when I started, I think I did like three deals my first year. Like I barely made any money (laughs) and it was really tough. 
Um, I didn't think about quitting, actually. I just thought that that was normal. I thought it was normal that it'd take a few years to get off the ground. And it's funny because a lot of people starting in real estate or a lot of sales jobs, they do a few deals and they're like, well, this isn't enough. I'm not making enough. It's like, well, you just started. What gives you the right to make more? Like, why are you entitled to make more? Like lawyers are in school for X amount of years, need to pass the bar, all this stuff before they get to practice being a lawyer. So why is it that you think in your first six months to a year, you're entitled to more business, right? You don't even know what's going on in real estate. So for myself, the first few years, I took it as a learning experience. I took it as my university that I was luckily getting paid for. So instead of paying a good university, I thought if I could learn as much as I can these first few years, it'll pay off afterwards, which it, which it did. So I was able to become a real estate broker. I was able to leave the team and go out on my own and build my own little database, my clientele. And now it's a lot of referrals. It's a lot of meeting people like you on social media. And it's, it's been really great that way. I was able to really attract the clients that they always say you attract the clients that are similar to you. So I was able to get great clients that I love working with. And that's, that's why we do what we do, right? We save money, we make money, we invest money to live a life we enjoy living. So I, I'm happy I get to work with people who are great people that I enjoy working with. I love that. That is such a great perspective when it comes to just developing a skill. Because I think over mm-hmm. these past few six years that you've been working in real estate, you've really d- been developing the skills required to be a successful real estate broker, whether that's using social media or being able to interact and speak with your, your customers. And it's what I always talk about on this podcast where like money management is really just a skill. It's learning how to save money, invest, learn how taxes work. These are all skills that can be learned and that, that need to be learned if you want to be successful at whatever that you do. Absolutely. And I didn't realize, like I thought real estate was, oh, it's sales, it's marketing, but I didn't realize a big portion of it is finance, running your business, knowing your numbers. And that's something that's always changing based on your income, your expenses, how much you're spending on marketing. So that's something I've really had to learn the past few years. And I'm still learning a ton about it. I've incorporated earlier this year and that's a whole different ballpark. (laughs) Like everything's different. Everything has changed and learning even about the mortgage side of real estate because real estate and mortgages go hand in hand. Now, how do you finance a house and how does someone get approved to finance a house? Right now I'm looking at making a house purchase and my accountant said, get, get that damn car lease off your name because it's affecting your pre-approval. So there's a lot of finance I've had to learn in conjunction with real estate. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely personal finances is very, very important. I know a lot of people are trying to purchase a house and they're, Mm -hmm. I don't know, for me, I get really confused. There's like mortgage brokers, there's real estate agents, there's all of these different people that you can use to help you purchase a house. What exactly does a real estate agent or broker such as yourself do? Absolutely. So go through a little bit about like the first time home buyer journey. It's super, super important that you pick a great realtor to work with and you pick a really good mortgage broker to work with because they're going to go hand in hand with your purchase. Now you have options to look to the bank and get an approval there, but mortgage brokers can shop most bank rates and along with 
40 other lenders to get you the best rates, the best packages, because buyers, especially young buyers, they oftentimes say, well, I just want the best rate. Yes, getting, getting a good rate is good, but you also want the best overall package because the package is whether it's term, whether it's variable, whether you mm -hmm. can get it out of it in a few years. The average first time buyer only stays in their first house for three years. So yes, what if you get a really good rate, but they're gonna charge you a massive penalty to break your mortgage in three years when you probably are gonna decide to sell or move or size up or whatever it might be. So it's really important that you work with people you trust to have these conversations and to get you the house, get you the pre-approval letter, make sure you're buying within your means. So reaching out to your realtor, they'll set you up with a mortgage broker or vice versa. If you reach out to a mortgage broker, they'll set, they can help refer you to a realtor that'll help you frame up your purchase. So especially in this market where homes are being priced really low to get bid up higher, you have to work with someone who knows that and knows what your pre-approval is for and knows to help you shop within your pre-approval. So the realtor does all of the house shopping, negotiating, finding you the best house, the mortgage broker finds you the mortgage, finds you the best rates, the best package. And together, that's how they're going to help you find the right house. Because once you get a house, although you're pre-approved, the house still needs to get approved too, which people don't realize. So mm -hmm. there's a big, big financing condition that you have to fulfill before you can actually purchase that house. And the realtor can help you weigh in on what the best first property is for you, whether it's resale, what, whether it's new construction, which neighborhoods to live in, which neighborhoods not to live in, um, and also guide you through things like home inspections, whether you want one or need one, why, sh why should you get one? And then also referring you to the right lawyers for closing date, getting the keys, all the exciting stuff. Um, so just because most people don't buy or sell a house every day, it's good to have the guidance of someone who does. Yeah. How I love to explain the process of purchasing a house is kind of like you're going to a hospital and you're going in for surgery. When you go in for surgery, you need all of these like different people. You need like the surgeon, mm -hmm. you need the nurses, you need all of, all of these people to help you get out of the surgery in one piece. Right? And that is what the real estate broker, real estate lawyer, mortgage broker, that's what all of these people are trying to do for such an important and big financial decision that you're going I to make. I love that analogy. Life. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good analogy. I'm going to use that. Yeah, feel free to steal it. <laughs> I, I really thought it was interesting, the relationship between the mortgage broker and the real estate agent, how it can go vice versa. So how does it work for you? Do you have like one specific mortgage broker that you work with that you give your referrals to and vice versa? How does that work? Yeah. So you end up finding people like, for instance, when I refer a client to a banker or a mortgage broker, it's because I think they're the best fit for their needs. Obviously, I always recommend interviewing different people, finding who works best for them. But I have relationships with mortgage brokers that I have um, good history with and that I know we're gonna get the job done because not everyone's equal, unfortunately, at the end of the day. And I recommend people who I've personally worked with for my personal purchases and who I know are going to um, work for the best interest of the buyers as well. Um, and it's, good to have a good working team together because you know who's on their team they know who's on yours and you have that open line of communication so that it really gets the deal done awesome thank you for sharing that absolutely 
So after talking to all, like pretty much all of my friends, all of my friends are in their early 20s or mid 20s now. And they're just like, oh my gosh, real estate prices are so expensive. It's so difficult to purchase a house. How are first time home buyers able to overcome this? Yeah, definitely in the past few years, especially the prices have skyrocketed more than before. Um, it's certainly hard for a young single person to buy um, their first house. Typically, you see like a couple buying a house, siblings, friends, they get co-signers from their parents, or they get gifted money from like a grandparent or something. So that's, that's very common. And it's like nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you don't have those resources for you, or you do want to buy on your own, I'd say don't narrow down your search. Like I absolutely need an end unit townhouse because your first house isn't going to be your dream house. And that's just the reality of it. My first house wasn't my dream house. I saved up enough until I could buy a house and I was able to upgrade after that. So maybe look at one bedroom condos if that's in your budget or look outside the city a little bit. Getting into the market and that opportunity cost is worth more than waiting out another five years for your dream house. Because, yeah, you might save more money in five years, but the market might go up in five years, too. Um, and it depends what situation you're in. If you're lucky to stay at home and save money, amazing. But if you're renting at the cost of owning, then maybe don't wait until you save that 20% down. Take that 5%, put it into the market. And that way you can start paying down your own mortgage instead of someone else's. So it really depends on what your situation is. Um, and luckily, if you're able to, let's say, stay at home and save money, you're able to wait out for maybe a better purchase because it depends what market you're in and how much rent costs in your market as well. Because your opportunity cost, and I know you can speak towards that as well, might be higher than your actual cost that you're spending now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so important. And pretty much what I what I preach all the time is that personal finance is personal. It's really difficult to just be like, oh, you should always buy a house or you, sh you should mm -hmm. always rent. These blanket statements don't work because everyone's situation is completely different. And Absolutely. there are times where renting might be better. Maybe you Absolutely. want more flexibility. You don't want to, you, you might be moving sometime soon there are times where renting is good. And then there's also times where buying a house is really great as well. Absolutely. It totally depends on what market you're in. And it also depends what you're looking to do in your life personally in the next five, 10 years. I mean, I've had friends where I've talked them out of buying a house because I thought it wasn't a great solution <laughs> for them where all their friends are buying houses. And now they felt they had to like be an adult and buy a house but it was more of an ego and a pride thing rather than is this the right decision for you thing, right? And just because your friends are doing it doesn't mean you need to right away either. So it, it's not a one size fits all. It's really determined by what you need in your life in the next few years. Like if you need money to start up a new business then do that, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's so important. I was recently talking to one of my students and I think she's in her late 20s in her 30s and she just had so much shame she was just like she, she doesn't have a house yet and she feels all of the shame from her parents and from her friends to be to, to be able to purchase a house but in her situation like she is a multiple six-figure entrepreneur she's renting and she wants to travel the world so 
like why would you want to purchase a house yeah. in that situation and like there's no reason to feel shame just because you don't have no. a house because right now you're making the best decision for you and not absolutely. what your parents or what your friends want for you no absolutely and unfortunately it is one of those like old school like get a house have a family get married kind of thing and I know <laughs> like people have shame from like not having kids or not being married and like I think the times are really changing now where it's not going to keep being like that and people are free to kind of be their own person and make their own decisions which I'm, I've been loving to see lately yeah so tell us about your journey on you have a few properties now tell us about how your first purchase of your home went so I bought my first home and I was in multiple offers with six other offers um, that was when our market just started getting a little bit hot <laughs> in so, Ottawa in Ottawa yes I'm located in Ottawa um, so I bought a townhouse I did a ton of renovations and I was able to flip it recently actually earlier this year um, and be able to buy another property with it so I actually was able to like buy, renovate, refinance it, and then sell it after. So I was able to use that money well before I was, I even sold it. I took all of my money out. I took my down payment out along with my uh, cost to renovate. And then I thought, you know what? I don't think the market's going to get any hotter than this earlier this year in February. So I decided to just go ahead and sell and it worked out because our market slowed down a little bit that's what I like to say to my clients as well. They're like, oh, well, is the market going to go up and down? It's like, we can only know in this moment. And if it's a good idea to sell in this moment, because the market's high, then why not do it? Right. Mm -hmm. um, everyone's always trying to time the market and that's really just not how it works. Um, and I, I wasn't greedy about it. If the market kept going up after I sold, fine, whatever. Yeah. I think people have this like fear of, oh, but if the market keeps getting hotter, I'm going to wait till then and sell. But you're always going to keep thinking that. <laughs> um, so I bought another house, renovated it. I refinanced it to buy a third income property, which is a cash flowing rental property. And now we're looking at buying a multi-unit. So it's kind of like the Monopoly game, the whole like collect a few houses and then build a hotel. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it a hotel? I've been playing Catan lately. So it's like buying a few like settlements, settlements. To get, yeah a city <laughs> yeah so I'm like is a hotel in Monopoly I think it's a hotel right I think it, so yeah I, I've also I been playing more Catan lately <laughs> yeah yeah Catan definitely that's a big one in our household it's like the new <laughs> the new Monopoly um so that's that's how I've been trying to build my portfolio lately and leveraging what's good about real estate is that you can leverage the value of your house to buy the next one as well and if you work with, like I said, a good realtor, a good mortgage broker, we can make sure that we're setting up your investments for the next five, 10 years, depending on what you want to do. So it's all about like planning ahead. Like people think working with a realtor or mortgage broker is a one-time deal to get their house. It can be totally, but if you want to build a portfolio, we're happy to be there with you and help you build that portfolio and make sure it's sustainable as well. Like I've had clients, young, young guy. Um, a guy I'm working with right now that's onto his fourth property because we're able to build his portfolio correctly. Mm -hmm. And I, I mainly did it like I'm by no means do I want to like flip houses or any of that. I really did it to be able to understand what clients are going through and to be able to gain more knowledge. Like I said, when I started in real estate, it was all about learning. 
So I thought, even if I don't make money on this, at least I'm learning. Obviously, luckily, I made money on it. Um, but it's all a learning journey and you get better flip by flip or house by house or investment by investment, right? Yeah, you're learning the skill of how to be a real estate investor. And I'm sure a lot of exactly. your clients also potentially may not, may not only just want to ha- buy a house to live in, but they also want to buy investment properties. And now that you have that background information because you've gone through it yourself, it's you, you know what they're going through. And I think exactly. that's a really smart move. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's great to see uh, that you're really helping people with their personal finances and investments too. So that's great to see. I love that you're educating young people about what they can do to leverage their finances. Yeah, I think just through education, whether that's education through saving, investing, or through real estate, just knowing your options is such a powerful tool when you know or what options you have for yourself then you know like what are the pros and cons of those decisions and then you can choose the best one for yourself and for your unique situation. Absolutely. You're totally right. It's knowing. Let's dive deeper into your your process. So you purchased your first home and then why did you decide to renovate it and explain this thing called refinancing for us? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do so. Um, It's funny because I've been seeing like TikToks of people talking about it and everyone's still like not getting it. Um, So I'll explain a refinance quickly. So let's say you bought a house for $300,000. You put in $50,000 of renovations. So you're at $350,000. And now the house is appraised for, let's say, $450,000. So because the market value is $450,000, you can ask the bank and tell them, I'd like a refinance, which means I'd like to take equity out of my house because now you have so much built up equity in your house from the appreciation, from the renovations, whatever it might be. So they send an appraiser and the appraiser will say, okay, yes, your house is worth 450, which means you can take out up to around 80% of the loan to value. So you could take out let's say like $80,000 or whatever you're asking for. So for myself, I was able to take out my initial down payment and the cost of renovations. So I was now into my first house for nothing. So I had a house, I was able to house hack it. I got two roommates, I lived for free and I had a four bedroom house, I lived for free. And I used that money to down pay my next house. So I was able to have both houses um, because of the refinance. And then when I sold it, I made all the profit off of that. This is why real estate has like created so many millionaires. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they say nine out of 10 millionaires are millionaires from real estate, right? Yeah, because not only are you able to borrow money from the bank, but then Mm -hmm. you could use that. Once you have a house, you can go back to the bank, reappraise your house and get even more money to borrow. And then yeah, put that into absolutely. another property. Yeah. One thing I will say is you do still need to qualify for the higher purchase price. So basically, now that the house is worth 450, you have to qualify for the house being worth 450 because now your monthly mortgage payment is as if it was a $450,000 house. So that's something on like the TikToks people don't talk about either. Um, you still need to actually be able to afford that mortgage because they don't mm. want you to not be able to afford it at the end of the day. But sometimes say it's worth 450 
and you only want to borrow up to 400, you could say, I just need a valuation of 400 and I'll pull out that amount of money. Um, that's why, for instance, my current house, we structured it so that I only took out the amount I needed because there's at one point the scale tips and then you over leverage yourself and you take out too much money. So that's why it's important to have a good mortgage broker and realtor who understand investments so that we can strategize how much you really need versus how much you can keep in your house. Because you're not trying to, depending on the situation, over leverage yourself and take out all the money from your house because then you won't be able to borrow for the next house purchase because you're maxed on your house valuation. So that's something to consider as well. Yes. When each time you are considering borrowing money, there's always more risk involved. If, if you look at it, real estate, it can be relatively risky if, because you are borrowing money from the bank, but then a way to mitigate that risk is just to work with people who know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's getting that education. And at the end of the day, it's up to you to make those calls, but you want to have a good team around you to help you make those calls. Mm -hmm. Just like with you and your clients, right? At the end of the day, you can tell them what you think is right, but ultimately it's their decision what they want to do. Yeah. And it, it's the same thing for investing. Like people think investing is, is so risky and you can lose so much money. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, yeah, it can be risky if you don't know what you're doing and if you don't hire the right people to help you with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You're totally right. It's like hiring a personal trainer, but then not doing any of the exercises and then blaming the personal trainer that you're not in shape. Like that's not <laughs> how it works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so let's go for the, for the last thing that you mentioned about you're deciding to purchase a multi-purpose real estate property and you want it to cash flow. So explain to us what cash flow means and what are the benefits of cash flow? Yeah, absolutely. So when we're looking at cash flowing properties and it depends on the market because you and I before this call talked about different markets don't mm -hmm. actually cash flow. So there's different types of investments. I'll quickly break down some of the different types of investments and then we'll get into cash flowing investments. Sure. So in a city like Toronto, you're not going to what's called cash flow, but you're banking on appreciation. So one of the first investment strategies for let's say people in Toronto is that the house is going to appreciate tremendously over the next few years and you'll be able to take out that equity, like what we just talked about for my first purchase, getting that equity, getting that appreciation in the property. Now that's really, really risky and only works if you have a ton of money because the reason it doesn't cash flow is because the buy-in is so high <laughs> yeah, and the rental amount dollars. is so low. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a really risky <laughs> first investment, especially because I know a lot of investment properties in Toronto, you're actually out of pocket every month. So not only do you have to hope the market does well, but you also have to put in money every month to make sure it floats. Mm. But you're banking on appreciation of a big city. So the second type of investment is a cash flowing investment, meaning after your expenses, after your mortgage, you're able to take home, let's, let's say $100 a month. That means at the end of the year, you have $1,200 and you're making money on that investment. So that's what's called a cash flowing investment where you're making money on it every month. It could be $10, it could be $1,000. Now, the sweet spot, in my opinion, or sorry, let's go through the third one. You could do a flip. So I think people on Instagram or TikTok have seen like the Burr strategy, buy, renovate, uh, refinance, rent it out or sell it or whatever you want to do. So that's when you flip a house, super high risk. You have to have a lot of capital and you 
need to be competent enough to flip a house. So that's super high risk. And now the sweet spot, the fourth one I like to talk about is a property that cash flows and appreciates in value. Whether that's you renovated it, rented it and it cash flowed, or it's a turnkey, let's take a condo in Ottawa, that cash flows, it's turnkey, but it'll also appreciate over time. So that's a really good investment for say a young investor who wants it turnkey, who doesn't want to do any renovations, but they want to make you know $100 a month, but also let it cash flow, maybe not as quick as a Toronto market, but over five years, you're going to make like 100,000 on it. So that's a sweet spot for an investment as well. Now it depends what type of investor you are. It's probably similar to what you go through with your clients. How risky of an, of an investor are you? How much do you have saved? If your pre-approval is 350, you know, you're not flipping a house. You're probably getting a condo that's turnkey. Do you live in the city? No. Okay. You're probably going to get something that's turnkey, but we analyze all of these factors to make for good investment properties, depending on the fit for the client. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm not even sure what your question was. I think I just went on a tangent on different investment types. Yeah. What so did you ask again? I guess the the question was, what is cash flow? Like going back oh, to the yeah. basic, like what is cash flow? So do you mind giving us an example, like with how much your mortgage might be and like how yeah. much rent you would maybe be able to collect? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of cash flow, you can have cash flows in different types. Say you wanted to buy your first house. Um, and you wanted to rent out the rooms. So let's say your mortgage is fifteen hundred, your utilities are a hundred a month, and your insurance is like a hundred a month. Let's say for a round number, so that's seventeen hundred. Can you rent each of the rooms for seven hundred dollars? Yes. Then you're cash flowing, right? Mm-hmm. You're living for free, and you get some cash on the side. That's great. Great option for a young buyer, first time buyer. Um, if you're willing to stick it out for a few years and live with roommates, um, or you can buy, let's say a townhouse, your, um, monthly cost, let's say 1700 all in insurance, everything, let's say it's $2,000, um, for all of your monthly expenses. Um, if you can rent it for 2,200, you get 200 in your pocket at the end of the day, not only that, but the tenant's going to be paying down your mortgage. So they're paying down your mortgage, you're getting an appreciating asset and they're paying down your equity and you get cash flow. So it's amazing. Yeah. It's a it's a triple triple whammy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So in short, that's that's an example of a cash flowing property. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why real estate is so popular because you're able to if you're able to do it right, you're able to purchase a nice property that appreciates in value, let's say, you know, 5% every single year. So then mm-hmm. you're making money there. The second way that you're making money is through the cash flow. So then if you have tenants or people that are renting, then they can pay you. And typically that would cover all of your like, utilities and the, the mortgage. Yeah. And then they're also to help pay off the mortgage which is exactly part of your equity. So that's helping to build your net worth. And that is absolutely. really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So there are lots of real estate brokers and real estate agents out there. As a first time home buyer, I would be very skeptical or just like very, very um, confused as like, who, who should I hire? Should I hire absolutely. a referral? Should I hire a person on Instagram? 
how would you say people should choose a real estate broker? Yeah, that's super important because you need to have some type of relationship, trusting relationship with this person. <clears throat> so how I like to describe it is how would you pick a partner you want to be with on a first date? <laughs> so say you go on a first date, what makes you want to go on a second date with them? Maybe it's because you trust them. They're easy to talk to they're insightful, whatever it might be. It's similar to when you're interviewing a realtor because they're going to be holding your hand through this journey for the next month, three months, six months, a year until you end up buying. So you got to interview them. You got to ask them the right questions and you really got to see if you trust them, if they have some good insightful knowledge for you, if they're willing to work in your best benefit. And honestly, like the fourth one that people really don't talk about, do you like them as a person? Cause they can be the smartest, they can be the best, but if you're not having a good time working with them, like, come on, there's someone that will offer you all of the above and be fun to work with because your first home shouldn't be like a daunting experience. It shouldn't be scary. You know what? It is scary, but they should help take that relief that off of you. Um, and it should be a fun experience. Like I end up having a blast with my clients I work with and it should be enjoyable. It should be memorable and it should make you want to work with them again. So when you interview different realtors, let's say you take, you take a referral, you reach out to someone on Instagram, and then you find, I don't know, so you called someone else, what makes them different? And then also, do they work in your market? Do they work in your neighborhood? Um, do they have, are they flexible on hours? Like if you work evening shifts, shifts as a, uh, as a nurse, well, during the day, like you got to make sure that they're available and you're on the same wavelength and they understand what you want because I've noticed a big thing is let's say for some buyers end up working with their parents real estate agents and they're like I just this guy has no idea like what I'm looking for whatsoever because they're they're totally in different time frames of their life so get someone who understands what you're looking for and don't be afraid to say you know what I need to be walking distance to a Starbucks because I love my Starbucks like that's okay <laughs> you know Get someone who understands your actual needs and your wants and not someone where you, you kind of have to hold back or be shy to because it's it's a relationship at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So get someone you trust and someone you're going to have fun working with. Yeah, that that's a really great analogy and something that you can use for everything, for like for whoever that you hire, for people that you are going into a partnership for. You need to first trust them. Mm-hmm make sure that they know what they're doing. But then yeah. at the same time, you also need to like them. <laughs> like you, yeah, you want to just be able to get along with them. And that, that's one of the reasons why for all of my clients, I typically hop on a call with them so I can, first of all, assess their situation, but then also just yeah. see if it's a good fit. Like if, if, yeah. if our personalities match. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, don't get me wrong. You don't need to be best friends with them and like go for wine with them. But as long as you're having a good experience, that's what matters, right? And like you said, you have to feel out if you are a good fit, if your personalities match, if they line up, because if your personalities don't click, it's going to be so miserable. <laughs> and that's the reality of it. Yeah, And you're like working together for a decent amount of time. Like it isn't just yeah. like an hour. It's like yeah. for quite a few months. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like even if you think of like, for gentlemen or for females, when you're going to buy a dress or a suit or something and the salesperson has no idea like what you're <laughs> looking for or anything, like just think of how unenjoyable that experience is and think of that prolonged. 
yeah. during a house purchase out of all which things, is more right? stressful than a dress <laughs> exactly exactly so and then vice versa when you're in a store and you're having a great time with a sales associate that makes a big difference mm-hmm. so it is important that you do like the people you work with awesome so anna thank you so much for coming onto the podcast it was such a great conversation that we had um, so if anyone wants to work with you as a, as a real estate broker, or they want to reach out and ask you some real estate questions, where can they work with you? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I actually have a first time home buyers guide. I'm happy to um, send to you if you want to link it, or they can find it on my website, or I can send it to them directly. Um, people can contact me on Instagram at Anna Tran Ottawa. That's A-N-N-A-T-R-A-N. O-T-T-A-W-A or anatran.com or you can email me, call me, whatever. I'm, I'm super, super flexible, but I have a lot of content on uh, Instagram as well, where you, well, no, you found me on TikTok. I should have mentioned I'm also on TikTok at Anatran Ottawa as well. Awesome. I'll put all of your links in the show notes and I'll also Sounds have good. the link to the guide there as well. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad we're able to have this conversation. Yes, I learned a lot. So thank you so much for being here. Aw, thank you. Okay, thanks so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Mastery Over Money podcast. I don't know about you, but I had so much fun listening to this conversation again when I was editing this episode. I find it so fun to have these really great conversations with people who are experts in different areas. And that way I get to learn, you guys get to learn, and we all get to learn something new. So if you guys love this episode, make sure to let me know on Instagram, as well as you can give it a review on Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening to the Mastery Over Money podcast. If you found any value with this episode, Share this episode with a friend who needs to hear this message. Also, if you want to share your appreciation for this podcast, feel free to give it a review on Apple Podcasts as this helps me reach and help more young professionals such as yourself. That's it for today and I'll chat with you next week.